This is the Chemeca Table, a podcast about learning, education, and other Chemeca Community College talk. Here's your host, J.D. Shin. Welcome to the Chemeca Table, our podcast about learning, education, and overall Chemeca stuff. I'm J.D. Shin. Pull up a chair. There's a spot for you at the table. Today, we get to sit down with someone I know from the community who's uh, been part of a, a dynamic team serving our region. A, a variety of needs come up in the workforce dynamics, and there's a designated team to help facilitate solutions. Kim Parker Yanares, and my, I hope I'm pronouncing that close, is the executive director of Willamette Workforce Partners and has taken the seat, a seat at the table today to answer some of the age-old questions. One of them being, what is a WIB? Kim, welcome to the table. <laughs> Thanks, JD. Thank you. <laughs> um, what is a WIB? Well, is a WIB? WIB is a acronym for Workforce Investment Board. Mm-hmm. And actually, the federal law has changed, so there we are now a Workforce Development Board. So uh, Workforce Development Boards exist across the country. We are in statute at the federal level with the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. And that act provides funding and direction for workforce boards across the country. Okay, so what is, what's the difference between a workforce investment board and a workforce development board? Nothing. Nothing. It's just a, name a new change. word. Yes. Name change. <laughs> yes. We, we put a new bill in, so exactly. we had to change the name type The Workforce thing. Investment Act was reauthorized in 2014, and during that reauthorization, the name changed to the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, which included a name change for all of the local boards to Workforce Development Board. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the focus is on development rather than investment. So rather than on the develop, it's, so it's on the development of the humans. Correct. Rather than just on the development investment of investment of dollars. Correct. Cool. That's yeah. Yeah, that has a, a more of a warm fuzzy. Yes, it does. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. I like that. So you've got some pretty cool team members. I yes. know we're going off off script a little bit, but you've got some pretty cool team members. How many f- folks work in that? In, in the Willamette workforce? In our part. office. We have, if you count, we have three uh, individuals who are contractors. And so if you count the contractors and the staff, we are a team of 13. And um, focus on business services mm-hmm. and on program development, basically. So we serve employers and job seekers. And we have a phenomenal team. I think that you are absolutely right. You there, do. There was a um, program meeting that we had uh, maybe about a month ago, and afterwards, the, our program director, Amy Macera, came in, and she looked at me, and she said, Kim, we are cooking with fire. <laughs> and I just thought, man, that is so true. It's just a really, really dynamic, effective group. Yeah, yeah. Amy's a, she's a, she's a rock star. I got the opportunity to work with Amy years yes, ago. Yes, I remember this now, yes. Yeah, one of the projects that was a pilot program uh, five, six, seven years ago, whatever yep, it was. Yep, probably seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. even before you came yeah, on board, right. uh, workforce development stuff, and, and she just, she knows so much. Yeah. yeah. She's incredible. She's incredible. And she has just absolutely expanded and blossomed and grown yeah. in ways that are just amazing. It's It's been delightful to support her yeah. and watch that change happen. And she's just one person. Yeah, so. right, exactly. Great team, great, great team. team. For sure. Uh, why does it exist? I mean, you talked about the bill, the federal level, but why does a workforce development board exist? 
Well, we exist to meet the needs of employers in our region. Mm -hmm. So um, sort of the elevator speech is we have public dollars. We are a private nonprofit organization, but we have funding from government, from foundations, from cities, from counties. And our job is to work with employers to identify what their workforce needs are and then invest those public dollars into the training of individuals who need to get a job and who need mm -hmm. to get training. And ultimately, those individuals will meet the needs of employers. So it's really matching up the demand for that employers are feeling and experiencing mm -hmm. and helping job seekers who maybe have barriers to employment or maybe just want to do something different than what they've done and give them, giving them the short-term training credentialing that they need so that they can be successful and self-sustainable and meet the needs of employers. Hence the development. Correct. Yeah. Right. Get those people the the things that they need is you you focus on training. Mm -hmm. So training in, in my estimation, what I've experienced and observed is more along the lines of the hard skills. Or is there still a focus on the soft skills component of developing those people? Yeah, for sure. It depends on the individual, right? Sure. I mean, there's uh, on our youth side, we, we serve youth and mm -hmm. grownups. And mm -hmm. There's a little bit of an overlap there in terms of the age. Mm -hmm. But we, we tend to focus more on those essential skills. Mm -hmm. We call them essential skills, right. not soft skills, mm -hmm. because they're essential, yeah. not soft. Right. And um, want to make sure that our emerging workforce understands how important it is to show up to work on time, get along with with coworkers, take direction, mm -hmm. um, you know, dress appropriately, all those things that, that will help set them up for success in the in their careers long term. Mm -hmm. We do have those sorts of um, opportunities for, for the adults as well. It can be everything from a, a workshop to um, a, a more extensive, uh, you know, multi-week uh, sort of seminar that where we talk about um, how people present themselves and how they think about themselves and where they see themselves going in the workforce, et cetera. And then we also have, uh, you know, interviewing workshops. How do you how do you sit down and interview with somebody? So um, essential skills are woven, I think, throughout the work that we do. But there are some very specific and targeted um, mm -hmm. efforts that we that we make in addition to the more specific uh, occupation. Right. specific requirements mm -hmm. for, you know, becoming a welder or becoming mm -hmm. a certified nursing assistant or s those more concrete specific skills and, and, and um, elements that somebody needs to have to mm -hmm. complete a job successfully. Rad. Yes, I used that word. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> Very rad. <laughs> Where are workforce boards uh, located and situated throughout the states or or? Yeah, regions? good, good question. So every part of the country is served by a workforce board. It's up to the states to determine what that looks like for them. So the governor is ultimately responsible um, mm -hmm. for in each state uh, to determine how many workforce boards and what the what the boundaries look like for the different regions. Mm -hmm. um, and the governor also needs to work with. Local Local elected officials. So we work really closely with our county commissioners in the four mm -hmm. counties that we serve. We serve, by the way, Marion, Polk, Yamhill, and Lynn. I was going to ask. Yeah. Right. So um, we work very closely with the county commissioners as well. Mm -hmm. In Oregon, we have nine workforce boards, and um, those are divided up by, as you sort of can imagine, the far east, the middle part of the state, and the 97 corridor, Portland Metro, coast, couple on the coast couple south and then us here in the in the mid valley how many total are there in oregon there are nine 
Nine. Nine. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I like to use Nevada as a contrasting example because okay. in Nevada there are two workforce boards. And really? The state is divided in half and there's a northern and a southern. So quite a different approach, wow. but just as, a, as an example. And there are some places where there's one board for the whole state. So it really is unique uh, depending on the state, the governor, hmm. and the leadership of the of the individual counties. And that just hinges on the leadership of the state to decide that, yep. and not necessarily the the size of the, the footprint of the state or even the population. Not necessarily, yep. Wow. I mean, of course, California has a bunch. I can't, can't remember <laughs> exactly, but I think they have, you know, quite a few yeah. workforce boards just because they're so huge. I would think Texas probably Texas has a lot. Texas is also, yep, yeah, exactly, exactly. Alaska, though? Yeah, good question. That's a, that's a, yeah, I don't know. That would yeah. be interesting to see. Well, Alaska, if you're listening to our Salem, Oregon podcast, maybe you let should uh, shoot me an email <laughs> yes. and let me get know. Onto, I can get onto the Googles and find <laughs> yeah, out. I'm sure, yeah, all the search engines can <laughs> exactly, tell you. I'm sure. <laughs> so what's the impact uh, that a workforce board has on its its area, whether, whether mm -hmm. no matter the size? Mm -hmm. Well, um we are required by the federal act to identify sectors that are driving our economy. So um, as an example, in our region, we have identified four sectors that are driving our economy. Mm -hmm. Healthcare, manufacturing, transportation, warehouse, and distribution, which makes sense if you think about the I-5 corridor, would basically right. start south of Wilsonville and go down to just north of Eugene. So lots of distribution and warehousing mm -hmm. and construction. So those numbers are determined um, by economic indicators. So mm -hmm. once we look at the data, we, we see what is driving our economy. We then invest, we prioritize investing in those sectors. Mm -hmm. So the impact is we train hundreds of people every year and help those people get into jobs where um, there's a demand where employers are hiring. And as you can imagine right now, um, there's a huge demand to find people that are yeah. qualified for jobs. Right. And employers are, are really anxious to, to hire qualified folks right now. So mm -hmm. we are busy. We also are working with um, individuals who may have barriers to employment. Mm -hmm. One of the flip sides of, or maybe silver lining, depending on your perspective, yeah. of the environment right now is that individuals who historically may not have had an opportunity to get a job mm -hmm. because um, there were others that were maybe more work ready than they than they are, mm -hmm. have those opportunities now. So sure. people with maybe some sort of a disability, developmental disability, people coming out of the criminal justice system, um, have opportunity now like they haven't had in, in decades. Yeah. So those people that you're connecting with typically then probably come through some sort of a system within counties or, or mm -hmm. throughout the state mm -hmm. that are able to then go, I'd, I'd really like to get some help getting on my feet and get moving. Mm -hmm. How can you help me? How do you how do you work with those individuals? Yeah, that's a good question. So our front door is WorkSource. So the WorkSource okay. is the um, American Job Centers. They're all over the country. Again, mm -hmm. we brand them in Oregon as WorkSource. It's mm -hmm. a one-stop shop. Anybody can walk in or get in virtually into that system. So it's not, you don't have to be on public assistance or have some kind of um, barrier to employment. Anybody can use it. And during the recession of 2008, you know, 2009, 10, mm -hmm. we had people 
school with PhDs who had worked for the same employer for 25 years using our system. Wow. So um, that's not the case now, uh, but just because it's, the environment has changed so much. Mm -hmm. But um, my, I guess my point is that that is the, the front door. So a, an individual would come into either physically or virtually into the WorkSource system and um, go through the process to identify what their skills are, what maybe where there are some gaps or where they need some support. Mm -hmm. And then we have contracted staff. We don't actually provide direct services. That's also something that um, is uh, true across the board in Oregon, mm -hmm. um, which is, I think it allows the workforce board staff and, and board to be sort of a neutral broker of services. Sure. Yeah. So we don't have any skin in the game. Mm -hmm. So if there's a problem with services that are being delivered, then we need to go and talk to our contractor and support them and figure out how to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not us. Yeah. Um, so we have contracted staff in in the WorkSource offices, and they, if if somebody is determined eligible for our services, then they work with them, identify what their interest is, what their experience is, and how we can help get them the skills they they need quickly. I mean, yeah. we definitely focus on short term certification because our our goal is to get people employed. Sure. Um, so and then get them connected to an employer and get mm -hmm. them a job. Yeah. Making two people happy all yeah, at once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the big time is is making those those different levels of smiles happen. Um, is it Reagan? I think it was Reagan that that was the the greatest welfare program is a job. Yeah, yeah. And right. so and and that that makes that business so much more effective and um, especially when they're bringing people in that that have the right skills. And so wonderful things happening. Yes, for love sure. Love it. Love it. I uh, think I already covered the, a question that I've got on here. So I might have to get inventive here. And... <laughs> <laughs> so what's an ideal client for you guys? Well, that's interesting uh, because as I mentioned, our really our number one customer are the employers. Mm -hmm. And then uh, because without an employer, you don't have a place for a job seeker to go. Mm -hmm. So an ideal client for us is an employer who's trying to hire people because they're expanding and mm -hmm. they need some support. They might want some help with um, training up some of their current workforce, their incumbent workforce, Okay. Um, in addition to hiring new new folks. So we love it when employers come to us and say, hey, help me hire a bunch of people. I need I need individuals with these skills. Yeah. Um, I have a kind of a cool example, actually. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I love stories. I, well, I, and I love this story, so I want to tell it <laughs> okay, whenever cool. I possibly yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're working currently with a community-based organization um, that serves the northern Marion County part of the of the region. Not ex not exclusively, but um, they've got a real presence there. Mm -hmm. And they were approached by um, Woodburn Ambulance and other ambulance services in the North Marion County area, mm -hmm. who said we are desperate to hire bilingual, bicultural EMTs. So they they were just having a heck of a time mm -hmm. hiring bilingual, bicultural EMTs, which is really important for that community. So this community-based organization worked with our good friends at Chemeketa to put together a, a, a plan and a model um, for training EMTs. We funded the training and the community-based organization to go recruit, mm -hmm. which they did. And they spent a few months recruiting in, in the North Marion County area and uh, were able to recruit 25 individuals 
who happen to be bilingual and bicultural, mm -hmm. who were interested in going through the NEMT training. Nice. And they are currently in the middle of their training with Chemeketa. And at the end of this training, we expect that they will walk out and get a well-paying job, yeah. meet a community need, and um, you know have an employer that is that is happy at the end of the day. With that many trainees, I would think that would really help uh, fill that gap. Yeah. How how big of a gap did they actually have? I you know I don't know the actual, actual numbers, but I know that they're after we started this this training, other other uh, employers have come out of the woodwork. And there said, you oh, have it. We yeah. need some of those too. Yeah. So um, you know it just it just took that one that initial conversation with an employer. Uh, reaching out and saying, hey, I need some help. So we try to make sure, I mean, ultimately the goal is to be industry driven. So right. that we are not just training people and then tell them to, you know, good luck, go take your, <laughs> go take your, your credential and, you know, hope, hope you can find a job. So we want to make, make those connections so that yep. there's a real return on the investment and so that the employer and the job seeker or the, you know, the, our participant sure. are successful. Yeah. With the WIB or... Now it's a different acronym that probably doesn't have a way of pronouncing it. <laughs> I don't speak that language. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should. You're, you're driven by economic indicators, which come out of industry-wide, but then you're also working with individual companies to fulfill those specific needs. Are you tying that data? You're bringing that data in to supply that to that individual, or not industry, but company? Or how do, the, how do those two things tie together? Um, Is that a clear question? No. Um, let me see how, let me see if I can answer. I'll be a, I'll be a politician and see if I can come up with an answer to the. Um, so if a company comes to us and says they need something and we say, well, our economic indicators don't indicate that that's a demand. Mm -hmm. But there's a company who says, hey, I've got five jobs. I've got five open positions that we need to fill. Then we can work with them. Cool. Okay. So we're not limited to being driven to, to those targeted sectors, but it's just sort of a guiding light for us. Right. And and we and and we recognize that um, chances are, if we're gonna hi if we're gonna train somebody in how to be a welder or CNC machinist, there will be a job for them. Mm -hmm. So or anything in the healthcare industry right now. Right. I mean, for example, right. there's just everything. But if there was some unique little um, niche that an employer was trying to fill, we can we can still support that. Yeah. We're but your your that. economic indicators for healthcare were a part of driving this need Correct. for these EMTs. Correct. That are most you know yes. bilingual, bicultural right. Right. So the data shows us that there right. are huge demands in healthcare, mm -hmm. and so then hearing directly from this employer about the need for this sort of more more targeted person who is bilingual and bicultural only sort of reinforced what what our data has told us. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Are there are there resources that you, as a workforce board, uniquely provide? Well, we're the only one who does this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> so you're I, just I think unique that we are. Yes, for yeah. sure. I think that um, in terms of what we can offer employers, we mm -hmm. have a number of specific programs like on-the-job training. Mm -hmm. So an employer, maybe back to what I was saying earlier, they're, they're, they've got a, a candidate for a position that doesn't really meet everything that they need for this position, but they're willing to take a chance and, and invest in them. We will reimburse that employer for a portion of the wages during the time that that new employee is being trained. Mm -hmm. So the employer wins because they don't have 
have quite the financial risk that they may have. Right. The, the employee or the participant wins because they get a job. And then ultimately, you know, the hope is that they get the skills that they need and then are successful in that job long term. Right. As I mentioned earlier, too, we offer funding for current worker training. So an employer can come to us and say, I, want, I need to train 10 of my employees in this software so that we can get better at our billing process. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost 10000 bucks. We require a match portion from the employer, depending on the size of the, of the employer and the length of, of the training, et cetera, et cetera. But we will then reimburse that employer with that $10,000 once it's completed. So we are here really to support those employers. Mm-hmm. And then on the participant side, obviously we fund training and workshops and, and some of the other supports that I, that I mentioned. But we also can s- and support um, the participants' out- other needs if they have additional uh, supports that they need, like funding gift, uh, uh, gas cards or child care, or if there, if there are other barriers that they're experiencing that might inhibit their ability to complete whatever their training um, program is, mm-hmm. we have funds that can support that as well. Yeah. The goal is to get the, the participant across the finish line and into a job mm-hmm. so that they can be you know, successful. Yeah, and filling those shoes that are needed in that, in that particular right. business. It sounds like if, if I were to shrink the words down to what's your main thing it's really risk reduction on both parts mm-hmm. the 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 potential employee the trainee and then the business as well they're yeah. they're getting that risk reduction of we don't really have the time or the money to train everybody but mm-hmm. man if we can bring somebody t- to get you know get a warm body in here that can then be trained and we don't have to fully fund it that, that reduces our risk greatly, mm-hmm. and then that person's much more likely, it would seem, to, to stick stay. around. Yeah, no, yeah. and it's, that is especially true for the on-the-job training mm-hmm. um, program. And mm-hmm. then, and the same is true, though, with incumbent worker. I mean, if your employer is investing in you and mm-hmm. paying you to go to this training right. to become better at your job and getting support from us, then that also builds uh, yeah. loyalty. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. A regular spot at the table is three questions and a quote from our guest. We've had some good discussion about your industry, but we can't let you escape without doing three questions and a thought. Okay. (laughs) What was your favorite job prior to Willamette Workforce Partners? Yeah, that's a really... um... I've, I have been absolutely blessed with having a career that I have loved. I've done um, everything from early learning. I was a director of a Head Start program for years that was really rewarding and fascinating and very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I would probably say being the director of a Habitat for Humanity affiliate. Oh. I did that for seven years over out in the North Willamette Valley area. I was the first paid staff person for this small Nonprofit. I started working half time, and was there seven years. And in those seven years, grew the organization to um, bu- building. I think the year I left, we built with five families, so five houses from oh. like a half a house a year, and a budget of over a million dollars and a full staff. And mm. just watching f- lives change mm-hmm. through housing was was just so rewarding. Yeah. And working with people from around the world who were working on the same thing, yeah, um, was just super just 
wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, I would imagine getting to see volunteerism like on that scale would be pretty amazing too. Yeah, I actually serve on the board of directors for the um, the Mid Willamette Valley affiliate. So Habitat for Humanity is definitely in my blood. Nice, nice. What occupies your life outside of work? I love to travel. Uh, My husband and I travel around the state. A lot of international travel. Uh, Just I can't. I just love to get on a plane and go somewhere and experience something new. Learn about a different culture, different Mm -hmm. people, and also love to go to the coast and experience Oregon or the Bend or Portland or you know all of it. I'll take I'll take any kind of travel I can get. That's probably one of the best parts of being in the Willamette Valley. Is you're like an hour and a half or less from. Everything about amazing anything. about yep. this state. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Love it. Yes. Yeah. And I like to run. It keeps me it keeps my head clear and my body healthy. And I also love to explore the wine country and wine taste. Oh, so yeah. yeah, my husband and I love to go and explore uh, new wineries and and again that connection to the earth and to the land mm-hmm. and sort of the culture that is the wine wine country yeah. in, in Polk and Yamhill County specifically. Um, and we've traveled to Walla Walla and down in Southern Oregon. And it's just, it's, I love the wine, of course, of course. <laughs> but I also love the culture yeah. and, and the process of making the wine. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. It's, it's fun to just get that kind of education. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a neat little one out in Dallas, a little tiny one mm-hmm. called Benedetto. Have you been out I there? I have actually, I think we gave them an incumbent worker training grant. Oh, nice. I could be wrong. I know there was a, I know there was a winery out in that area that we did work with and that yeah. name sounds familiar. I've not been there though. No. It was a beautiful little shop when I was in my previous position, um, got to meet with lots of businesses out there and it was out in Dallas, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that little, it, it just, there's a view and I mean, that's probably my favorite part of going wine tasting. I'm not a huge wine guy, but man, the views, views. taking those pictures, soaking that environment in, it's It's, so much fun. I mean, that's what I talk about with the sort of the culture of, of winery and winemaking and and wineries. It's just, yeah, it's just stunningly beautiful. Yeah. And we have so many of them. We have so many of them. We're so So blessed. many wineries, yeah. so little time. Oh <laughs> that should be on a wall yeah. somewhere. <laughs> For sure, especially in this area. If you were a pizza flavor, what would you be and why? Well, definitely veggie. Veggie? Veggie, oh yeah. Yep, any kind of veggie. Any. Maybe a little uh, garlic Alfredo sauce rather than the red sauce. Mm. But yeah. Piled high. Veggies, piled high. All of them. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Thin crust. There was a, um, long ago, I was a pizza delivery guy, <laughs> and that pizza shop had a garlic, mm-hmm. uh, artichoke, yep. tons of those roasted vegetables. Yep. Mm, my mouth is starting to water yes yes i had cold pizza in the car on my drive over here as a matter (laughs) of fact so yeah and it was exactly that (laughs) sun-dried tomatoes olives mushrooms Mm, oh yeah Yeah. good stuff now i'm getting hungry (laughs) i had a live bar for lunch yeah okay that's not enough (laughs) we should move on (laughs) (laughs) share a quote with us about education and describe why it's motivational for you yeah that's a really good question and I, um, there's so many, but what comes to mind immediately is education is the great equalizer. And I think that, you know, with education, the, 
it, individuals can do whatever they want. Yeah. And there's the opportunities are endless. Yeah. And it does take whether you're somebody who has been privileged your whole life mm-hmm. and um, need to get educated to you know get into the career that you want, or mm-hmm. whether you're someone who is the first first in your family to go to get post secondary education. Mm-hmm. The opportunities are endless with education. They really are. And education is such a broad term. Uh-huh. You right. Know, education, it doesn't need to be a four-year college it doesn't. To university degree. And those are just as, as valuable. Right. But, you know, as a person, I'll, I'll use my wife as an example. Mm-hmm. She went to nine months of cosmetology school. Mm-hmm. And she's had a very successful career as a hairstylist. Yeah. And she loves it. Yes. And she's a counselor. Yeah, right, right, exactly. It's funny. I we in the workforce world we used to say, you know, we're not going to train hairdressers because there there's really no career for them. And I, I remember the first time I heard that years ago, I was like, "Are you kidding me? You know how much I pay my hairdresser?" I know. I mean, that's not it. it so it depends, right? Mm-hmm. You can't make those blanket statements. No, because there's a lot of money to be made right. in in cosmetology and. and and, and that's a that's another form of education that it is. has been, like you said, and the great equalizer. It is a great equalizer. And you can make it, it, yeah. a career. Make a career and and make yourself smile and the other person. She had a client recently that said, I drive here from Lebanon. We live in West Salem. I drive here from Lebanon and, and I pay for my, my haircut. But it's more like I pay for my hour of therapy yeah. and get a free haircut. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you've got to have those interpersonal skills to, Each, to, build, yeah. a, to build a client base and yeah. have them keep coming back. And uh, I'll brag on my wife. She's brilliant with the interpersonal yeah, skills. So. You didn't know this, but uh, we do have a little trivia for you today here at the table. Please give your answer in the form of a question. <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of education, yes. as it pertains to people learning work skills, this oldest university in Oregon was founded in 1842 before Oregon was officially a state. Your answer in the yes. form of a question. What is my alma mater, Willamette <laughs> University? <laughs> I do know I the answer to that. I figured you that It was pounded one. into my head oh, so now, many years ago. Now, I do have a bonus question. <laughs> okay. This 1999 Bearcat Hall of Fame inductee played for the Green Bay Packers during NFL Hall of Fame coach Vince Lombardi's first year. 1999, no idea. Who is Gary Raid, class of 1959. Really? Yeah. Played for the Green Packers. Green Bay Packers af- out of Willamette? Out of Willamette. That's shocking. Yeah, I know. That's cool. That's very cool. During, I mean, and I'm a Bears fan, uh-huh. but under Vince Lombardi, yeah. how cool is yeah, that? Yeah, that is very cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love those little trivia things about fun. our community. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. This has been really fun. Thanks well, thank for you for on. the opportunity. Yeah. I always love to talk about what I do. I love what I do, and I love the people I work with, and it's very rewarding to make a difference in our community. And it shows. Yeah. Thank you. So what did we learn in today's episode? The great equalizer education plays into many, many roles, and workforce boards have a powerful role to play in equalizing that education to to give that risk reduction. I think that's what I'm taking home with me, is that risk reduction on the student's part and the employer's, employer's part. Good episode. That's it for today's episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in to The Chemeca Table, where we will explore and learn the not-so-secrets that make this college great. Be sure to tune in next time when we're joined by our next wonderful guest.
The Chemeca Table is produced by Chemeca Center for Business and Industry in partnership with the Center for Academic Innovation at Chemeca Community College. Visit our website, ccbi.chemeca.edu, to find more episodes, training programs, and business support. Thank you.